0: We are going to go right into our sermon. And so last week, we introduced that we're doing a sermon series on James Titus. And some of you thought that there was a spelling mistake in the slide, but it was on purpose. Uh, It wasn't. There was a spelling mistake on the slide, which is fixed now. I couldn't save that. I should have wrote something down. That was really clever, but it turns out I'm not that clever. So, um, yeah, but now it's fixed, hopefully. And, you know, I love when you point out my mistakes. So just make sure you do that. That's a great part of... Uh, just kidding. Uh, but honestly, don't do that. Okay. Uh, <laughs> spelling mistakes especially. I'm really bad at spelling, so highlight that. So we are uh, in that sermon series. And last week, we talked about kind of a, a statement that I actually read from a commentary. I don't know which one it is. I like uh, writing uh, encouraging words for myself. I got verses. If you go in my office, I got like verses on my bi- uh, on my walls. I, we have them in our bathroom. I have them written everywhere. So that when I open a random book, it's like I'm declaring God's truth. And sometimes I write quotes down. And if you go in my office at any given time, there'll be 12 or 15 sticky notes stuck everywhere. And that's just how my brain works. And one of the notes I have is uh, from a commentary, and it says this, what makes a man of God is not a natural response to favorable conditions, but a proper response to any conditions. And, and we lo- we talked about why we live, uh, why how we live matters. And uh, what's on the inside matters. And when we... Tested when we are strained, kind of like toothpaste. When it's squeezed, the inside comes out. And so, and God is interested in our inside. So we spent last week kind of focusing on that. And, and the reason why it matters is one unlocks our thriving conditions. This is God's desire for us that we would walk and that we would thrive and we would flourish in this life. But also, people taste the 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 flavor of our life. Like like we can put on a show. We can work on the exterior, but eventually the people begin to taste who we really are. And, and I'm using that, that reference because the Bible talks a lot about fruit. And, and you can look like a delicious fruit, but sometimes when someone bites into you, it, you're just not that good, right? And so the, the inside matters. And, um, and, and and what we find in life is the storms of life, the the challenge in life, the trials of life will test us. And when we get tested, Again, the inside comes out. Now, why I'm referencing Storm is I'm going to share a story with you. And um, it's it, for those of you who don't know, hunting season started beginning of September. And normally it's colder. So right now is usually prime time to start hunting. And, and uh, one of the areas that people are hunting is obviously here, Texeda. And uh, I was out with uh, my really good friend, Glenn, who's not here. Hey, by the way, Glenn, I'm using your story. Uh, and, uh, one of the areas he likes to hunt is on Nelson Island. So not Nelson the town, but the little island that, the well, it's a bigger island that you pass when you're coming up Saltry Bay Ferry is Nelson Island and accessible by boat. And so he, you know, takes the boat over and he brought me over there and he's got a little ATV there. And we went hunting and, and he kind of drops off and I walk and he scoots around in the ATV and we're hunting and it's a beautiful day. And I, I'm not a really good hunter, so let's just be honest, I love walking with my gun. I take pictures of the view and, and I, I wear camo because that's cool. So. That's kind of my version of hunting, and I'm just walking around. And we, we hit around noon, and uh, I was getting ready to have a delicious snack of pepperoni sticks when I hear an ATV, and I'm like, oh weird, it's only noon. Normally he just you know drops me off and us the, of the day. And uh, Glenn comes up and he's like, Sam, we got to go now, and I'm like, did you do something? Like why? Are you? He's like, no. Do you feel the wind? And I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you see the direct? Can you feel the direction of the wind? And I'm like, I'm just pretending to know what's going on. I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, good. Jump on the ATV. I'm like, okay. I have no idea why. And uh, as we run down uh, the, I, I, I walked up a mountain. We run down this little mountain, and we're we're loading the gear in the boat. And he's like, okay, hey, we got to tie down the guns. We got to tie down this and put this thing here in the boat. This thing here. When you when we're going, I need you to sit here. And I'm looking at Glenn like. Bro, like, w- w- why are you so worried? He's like, the wind, it's blowing. And I'm going to get this wrong. It's blowing from the northeast, northeasterly, northwest, northwesterly. At least I didn't say north-south. That's a weird wind. Uh, <laughs> and, and and because he is from here, he recognizes that usually means rough weather is coming in. But I had no idea. And, and so as we're going we leave from this bay and it's all calm and then you get into a section that's more open and it is not calm and, and, and the boat is like we're on a, a, about a 16-foot aluminum boat and, and so it's not the heaviest thing in the water, and, and we're just, like, jumping up in the air, and I'm, like, flailing around, grabbing things and stuffed gears, and I'm, like, we're going to die inside, outside, I'm, like, I'm cool, it's fine. And I look over, and, and Glenn is, like, sitting on his seat, but, like, not. He's got a knee, a leg thing, and he's doing something weird, and he's not moving. I'm, like, how is this possible? And he's, like, super calm, And he's like, oh, steering the boat. Here comes a wave and rogue waves. And he's just doing these fun things and gearing the boat. And he's like saying words I don't understand. And this channel, that channel. I'm like, is there a radio? But he's talking about water. And I don't know what's going on. But Glenn calmly led us back to town. And the reason I'm sharing this story is because we uh, uh, were in the exact same storm. Exact same weather conditions, in the exact same boat, but had completely different responses to what was going on. And so I'm going to be referencing uh, that story as we we go on. So this morning we're in the book of James. Ooh, I cut out there. We're going to start in the book of James. And we're going to start in chapter 1, and uh, verses 2 to 4. And this morning we're reading from the NIV. And it says this, Consider pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work, so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything." So I talked a little bit about this last week. The audience of James is is, is mostly a, a Jewish church that are are are, are predominantly made uh, of slaves or the poor, and they were facing incredible injustice and persecution persecution for for their faith and believing in Jesus, and injustice because they're having their their land taken, their businesses taken, they're they're moved into slavery, all that kind of stuff. And and without getting too far in the history, uh, uh, sometimes when we look at that history. We think, man, we we can't relate to that. We have not experienced that kind of injustice or that kind of persecution in our kind of North American reference. But I, I don't want to discount it because we all go through things and the things that we go through actually matter. The The struggles that we go through, it matters and it's important. And so I don't want to discount that we go through things in life that are challenging And so that's the reference, and and James is encouraging this church to look at it different. What you're going to notice throughout the book of James and throughout Titus, even though there was incredible injustice, the, the, the authors of the book never focused on the injustice, or stopping the injustice. They didn't even write about the injustice. Instead, they looked at the churches or the believer's response in the midst of the injustice, in the midst of the struggle. Again, it's not like the Bible doesn't say that we are supposed to stand and fight against injustice, but the focus of James and Titus is a personal one. How do we respond when things are unfair or hard in our lives? How do we, how do we respond when we have personally been Been wronged or offended. How do we respond? What's on the inside comes out. And so the perspective that James is saying here is don't uh, uh, complain or don't fight, but rather focus on how are we responding in the situation. Now, to kind of give reference to the first two verses I just read, I'm actually going to reference one of my favorite sections of scripture. It's found in Matthew. I reference it a lot, but it's Matthew 6 verses 31 to 34. And this is actually the English Standard Version. It says this here. Uh, Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, don't be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Now, here Jesus, again, is talking about worry, talking about anxiousness. And, and he gives us his reference. The first reference is don't seek after these things like the Gentiles do. That simply means don't seek after these things like, like those who don't have faith. Right? And now that first word seek in other translations isn't seek. But it means to, to stress, to strain, to sweat. And, and, and it's... I feel like a really, really relatable response. When things are hard, I don't know about you, but I tend to just say, I'm going to work harder, right? You know, have you ever tried building something? I'm so bad with my hands, but I get to the point that as I'm doing something, it's not working, I just hit it harder. Anyone else, right? Hey man, I can't build this box, but what if I hit it harder, right? Oh, my computer's not working. What happens if I just smack it? What if I just smack it again? Anyone else kind of work like this? And, and, and we do this with life, this, this stress, this strain, this, 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 this anxiousness. A, a, and really, that's like me on the boat. If we go back to Glenn's story, as the ways were hidden, I'm flailing all over the place. I am not steady, and I am literally worried. Am I going to live through this? I am too young and too beautiful to die. <laughs> that's not true, but I am too young. But now we look at verse 33. Seek after or seek first the kingdom of heaven. Now that word "seek" has this, this uh, uh, understanding in the Jewish language. It's it's kind of like this act of worship, where where you set your attention on God, who is greater or above. And so, in the context of this verse, above the anxiousness, above the worry, above the fear of what are we going to eat, what are we going to do, how are we going to handle this, we set our attention on God, who sits above it. And, and, and see, Jesus makes the statement when he says this in Matthew, for your father already knows what you need. And this inc- it challenges our belief in God. Well, do we really believe this is the attitude and nature of God? That he already knows what we need. And if he already knows what we need, how do we then respond when situations are challenging? When situations aren't ideal? When we are being pressed? Our Father already knows what we need. But set our attention on God, the kingdom of heaven. Change your perspective. See, to to from the storm to the one who not only calms the storm, but there's this great story of, of Jesus with his disciples. And they were in the middle of literally on a boat on a storm. So I was kind of like Jesus. The difference is during the storm, Jesus slept. And it's this beautiful picture that he was already at peace even before he calmed the storm. And so, this is the encouragement set your attention on the God who has peace even in the midst of the storm. It's a beautiful picture. So, consider pure joy is not like we celebrate suffering, it's this, uh, this idea and perspective. That even in this challenging part of our life, the situation, the way where we have been wronged, here is this opportunity that I can walk through and be stronger. So this kind of leads to the question then: Does God then cause suffering to teach us and to help us to grow? And, and and the short answer, no, he doesn't. He doesn't do that. And and how many here are parents or have parented? or parenting other people's kids have some sort of frame of reference. Uh, We all understand the importance of of things like uh, it's hot, don't touch it, right? And so we're kind of in that season where, you know, we start turning, we got a gas fireplace, right, turn it on, and and, and we always tell kids don't put your hands there because even when it's not on, it's still hot, right? Or when the stove is on, we teach our kids to not, right? How many of us, when we were teaching our kids or or teaching our kids, actually physically put their hand on the stoves to burn them? Let me show you what happens if you... We we don't do that, right? At least we shouldn't do that. If we are doing that, maybe we need to have a conversation. But we shouldn't do that. Neither does God. And this is what we continue reading in, um, in James. We're going to jump to verse 12 in James 1. Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial, because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Let's pause there. Uh, First of all, in verse 12 and 13, we see this reference of being tempted. Now, that word in, in, in Greek, we can relate to kind of like, testing something to give a review. Like on Amazon. like when a, who, who researches before they buy something, right? right so right now I kind of want a little little mas- machine. I don't know what they're called, but those little massagers. Right? And, and uh, so you go on Amazon and you read the reviews. And they have people who've bought the product, test the product, and rank the product. I'm going to give this three stars. And you, you read some of the funniest reviews, right? Like anyways, we're not going to get into that. But... And that ranking, and this is what James is saying. This is not the attitude our father has with us. He's not like, we're not like little rats in a lab where he puts us in a maze and he's got a little notebook and says, okay, I'm going to give him a really bad father. How does he respond to that? Right? Ooh, I'm going to cause this bad thing to happen. Let's see how this person responds. That is not the attitude of our father. He is not testing us. He's not ranking us. This is not what God does. But here's the reality that James is teaching us. We live in a broken world. And in this broken world, we will experience broken things, and brokenness will happen. And in this broken world, there is broken people. Those broken people will do broken things to you as well. And we, I love how James put it, even though saved and made new and a new creation are no longer defined by how we fall short. We're no longer defined by our sin, but we still have a sin Habit And those things and our own choices and the pe- choices of people around us will cause hardship, will cause storms. Things will not get smooth, be smooth 100% of the times. This is the reality of our life. And it's really important to put in perspective why we go through what we go through. We are so quick to blame God when things go wrong about recognizing that, man, perfect was done a long time ago. And that's the reality. And and sometimes, as pastors and churches, we try to, like, give reasons for why everything happens. And the truth is, sometimes there just isn't a good reason. Sometimes bad things happen, and we live in a broken world, and it is sad. And we don't need to be, uh, uh, we don't need to deny that. We don't need to hide from that. That's just kind of the reality. That bad things will happen, yet God is consistent. And it's, as James is teaching, it's through how we uh, uh, um, endure through those times. So if we kind of look at the cycle, here's what James is teaching us. Look, a brokenness happens, whether it be the world, our own decision, and now, boom, here we hit. We're in the storm, whether of our own making or the making of someone around us. Now we're in that storm. How we choose to respond to that storm, we either grow or we drown. Right? And as we go through the storm, we have an opportunity for further growth. Now if I go back to the story of Glenn, the way, the reason Glenn was able to respond, the way he responded in the boat, is because he has been there before. He understands what it means when he feels a northwesterly wind. I didn't. That's experience. Glenn has driven a boat through a storm before. He knew how to stand. He knew where to place the the gear in the boat. He knew the direction to take the boat because he has experienced it before. You can watch all the shows you want. You know, I used to watch that crab show. I forgot what it's called, The Deadliest Catch. I still can't catch a crab, right? It's a cool show. But until you have experienced it, it won't grow. So Glenn's is the example of enduring through the storms and coming through it before. And, and it's not even this message of being perfect. Because I guarantee you the first time probably little, little boy Glenn went through his first storm in the boat, he probably looked a lot like me. He probably made a lot of mistakes, right? There's lots of storms in life. The storms happen, but how do we respond? So that's the question. How do we respond? Well, James kind of gives us a hint. Now let's jump back to verse 5. He says this, If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. So how do you respond? It's okay not to know. But we can ask for wisdom, and this is the promise, God gives it to us. Now what is wisdom? If I use the example of, of watching TV or watching a show, you can get a lot of information. And this is actually one of, my, one of my spiritual gifts. I know a lot about useless things. I can tell you, you know, the shape of an asteroid is an is a, is a acorn. We watched this trivia show, and like I knew all the answers to the dumbest things. You can, I, I have watched videos, I, I'm just one of, I go through the rabbit holes, I've literally watched, I watched uh, the sword making show, I know how to temper a blade, I know the different steel gauges, I know the hammering techniques, I, I, I know them all. I, I, I know the temperature that, that steel hardens, the cooling in oil versus water, the molecular structure, I can talk to you about it, but I have never done it. And so the difference between knowledge and wisdom is wisdom is knowledge applied. Wisdom is what Glenn showed through all his experience. He's able to take it and apply it. So when we're going through life, we're like, I don't know what to do. We have access to the source who can give us wisdom. We can walk in wisdom. He gives us knowledge that we can apply. When we don't know how to respond, God does. He does we look at verse 6 and 7, do- doubt is the source of kind of this up and down condition. Uh, before pastoring here, I used, kind of used to be a youth pastor, and one of the things we used to talk about is the emotions involved of our faith, the roller coaster, you know? And maybe you've been on this roller coaster before where like, you, you normally with youth, you hit like a, a youth conference, and I think it's the first time you raised your hand. Right and, the, and usually the worship band is really really good and the music's really really loud and you're like Jesus is the best he's a friend of mine I'm never gonna deny him woo the roller coaster goes up and then it's like the first week of school and it's like the down ah! and the screaming and and this is like kind of our Christian uh, uh, living uh, up down up down up down and if we continue this we're gonna be sick we're gonna get seasick right and so he says uh, doubt is like the source of that so the question then is what do we put our faith In? Are we putting our faith in the storms around us, the situations around us? What are we putting our faith in? This is what James says now back in verse 16 of chapter 1. He says this Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. This is again the source of our storms. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of all creations. You see, we are putting our faith. Not in our circumstances or situations, but we are putting our faith in a God who is the source of everything good. See, if our thinking is a little bit broken and we view the challenging things that are going on in our lives, that, that this is what God gives us. This is good. This is, you know, I am enduring it because God has given this to me. How many times have we heard this in church or I have a history of this where we say, God is in this. Something terrible happens, God is in this. Sometimes God is not in that. It's just bad, right? It is just tragedy. Yet, this is what God does give. Every good and perfect gift comes from Him. And God does not change. Do you know what changes? Waves, storms, wind, life, people. You know what doesn't? God. He is consistent in this thing. He is good, and with every storm comes the end of the storm. And this is what we can anticipate, that even in the testing, God is good. And even when we go through the testing, and we just don't do very well, guess what doesn't change? God's goodness. His love his kindness, his character. When we are squeezed and out of the toothpaste comes anger and frustration, God is consistent in who he is. He is love. He is grace. He is kindness. He doesn't change. It is okay to acknowledge that this is not good, but God is good. And I like using the term this, we can anticipate God's goodness. Because sometimes when we have expectations, we sometimes miss what's happening. Have you ever like expected something? Like one of my things I hate doing, I'm, I'm a hyper. I hype things up and I'll watch a movie and I just love it. I hype it up like crazy. And in the midst of me hyping it up, I have this fear in the back of my mind, like I just ruined the movie. This person's going to see it and it's just not going to be as good as they're thinking. And I'm like, but I can't stop. It's, just, ah, and it's too late then all of a sudden you go and you're like, this is not as hyped up as Sam said it was. But that is not how God is. I don't know how he will be, but God is good. I don't know what it looks like, but God is good. I want to close with a verse in Numbers. This is the story of Israel wandering on the desert and here they are on the edge of the promise. And this is a story here in Numbers 14, starting in verse 6. Joshua, son of Nun, that's fun, and Caleb, son of (laughs) Jephunneh, who were among those who had explored the land, tore their clothes and said to the entire Israelite assembly, the land we passed through and explored is exceedingly good. If the Lord is pleased with us, he will lead us into that land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord and do not be afraid, of the people of the land, because we will devour them. Their protection is gone, but the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Again, the context here is Israel is on the edge of their promise, the edge of it. And they sent in 12 scouts, 10 came back and gave this negative report. I just, there's so many weird things that we just don't do. Like when they're angry, I, I have never torn a piece of clothing in my life. As a kid, I've wanted to do the Hulk Hogan, but can I tell you, like, the collar doesn't rip. And it's just really embarrassing. Just heads up. Anyways, it's just that response of anger because Caleb and, I can't remember, Joshua understood the promise. See, for the 10 scouts, all they can see was what was right in front of them. But for Joshua and Caleb, all they can see was God's promise. The Lord is with us, in the midst of whatever we're going through, whether we have been wronged, been hurt, uh, uh, going through sickness, uh, all those different things. God is with us. How are we viewing the storm? If if I can just be honest for a moment, like there's so much I don't understand and I don't get, and I'm not here trying to deny that, there's things that make me frustrated and angry. Sickness, it frustrates me. Cancer, death, there's, there's things I, I, I don't have an answer for. Why do bad things, I don't know, and it frustrates me. And, and I, you know, I'm not going to pretend that everything is good. But I, I do know this, this is the promise, that even death doesn't have a sting, because death is the promise of wholeness again where pain will be no more. My mom lives in uh, um, severe pain. She's got rheumatoid arthritis and her feet, and her ankles are bad, and her head, all that kind of stuff, and it frustrates me. And I pray for her daily, and I have seen God do miraculous things in her life, in her body. My mom had hepatitis C and nearly died before our wedding, but God completely healed her and restored her. Uh, uh, Me and my my daughters, we were down there, and my mom had an ankle that was so bad and so deteriorated, it was swollen. The doctor was talking about uh, um, severe surgery and possibly... What's that? Lopping it off? Amputation. Lopping it off. I'm a doctor. Uh, Amputation. and my girls laid their hands on my mom's uh, ankle and prayed for her and her ankle was completely healed yet the arthritis in her knees and stuff was like god's so good and i don't get it and i don't understand but this is what i do know lord is for us so this morning in the midst of it can we just see the lord is with us sure come up craig
1: I think uh, Sam wrote that sermon last night, and the reason for that is yesterday we had a council meeting, and I went into the council meeting with just not a great attitude, and uh, so the Reader's Digest version is the last couple of months I've just been feeling kind of overwhelmed by stuff. Linda and I have been just had a wonderful couple of months uh, away and doing some great holiday time and short little holidays, but they involved... 16 or 18 ferry trips and you know what the ferries are like? So I just took all that on and internalized and this is a What a system and then some political stuff and Linda's health right now she's overwhelmed with her fibromyalgia and arthritis and she's in pain and and media and Nothing more probably than a lot of people right here and then Sam got up when when he was giving his um, word in tongues And I just kept hearing over and over and over, peace, my peace, peace. And then everybody that spoke maybe didn't use the word peace, but it was related the same. God's just saying, come to me and there is peace. So of course at the council meeting, they did pray for me and did it work like that? No. But my attitude did change some, not enough yet, but some, and i believe, (laughs) I'm just sitting there squirming because of what Sam's preaching right now this morning. So I think there's probably more in this room than just me, maybe not to the level that I was counting more on me and worldly things rather than turning it over to God. But uh, yeah, there's peace there for what I was going through, still going through, just going to try and change my attitude toward it and uh, let his
0: peace overwhelm me. This is what Jesus says. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy, burdened, and I will give you rest. That is a good promise. The Father already knows what you need. If um, Austin, if you want to come up and, and start playing, we're just going to spend some time responding. Uh, this morning, uh, maybe this is a reminder that God is all you need. You don't have to have all the answers because you know what? Sometimes we just don't have the answers. But come all you who are weary, who are tired, who are heavy laden, heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. This is an invitation of rest. The beauty of this invitation is rest is not found. Uh, in in talking to me, having me pray for you. It's not found in anyone else really around you, although, you know, it can be found there. But the promise is is you can come to me directly. So uh, we're going to end this service in a time of response. As uh, Austin just leads us in another song or two, I want to invite you to respond uh, with him. That as we give our worship, what we're doing is we're setting our attention on the God who sleeps during the storm who is peace when there should be no peace, who is help when there looks like there's no help, who is calm when we should be freaking out on the boat, is our God. So this morning, I want to close and pray for all of you, and then we're just going to have a time where we're just going to respond with worship. Uh, So Father, I thank you that, God, you are for us, that you love us deeply, thoroughly, immensely. Thank you, Jesus even in the midst of whatever we're going through and whatever trial, situation, whether we've been wronged and we need to walk and forget, all the different things, God, we just lay on God, not everything is good, but I, I know and we know that you are good. So would you open our eyes to see your goodness? Would you open our hearts to experience your goodness, our ears to hear your goodness, Father? As we worship you, would you increase our awareness of your presence, of your love, of your grace. When we're hearing words of condemnation, damnation, all those things, God, I pray that you would take them, you would bind them, you would lock them, and you would just release the fullness of your presence, your goodness, and your love for us, Jesus. We pray these things in your name, Father.